Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Amen. Thanks again for being here. Thanks again for being at Church Online. I love you, and I can't wait to see you soon. We've been in this series for the last four weeks called Made for Mondays. And it's all about living in the purpose of God for your life and the calling that God has on your life. I'll quickly just give you the synopsis. I don't have time to do the rest. But it's it's that you're created by a creator to create. God created you creative. When people tell me, I'm just not creative, it's just not true. Because you were created by someone who's creative. and, And you're created in his image. And so that means you have creativity. And in years like this, when things tend to fall apart, that's when you, that that's why people of faith are able to survive in crisis is because we have creativity on the inside of us. That's why that's why we don't give up hope because we're created to create. And then last week or two weeks ago, excuse me, we said that God gave. God so loved the world that He gave that that Jesus came as a giver, so you and I would. Give that giving is the hallmark of Christianity. It's actually the upside down of theology that, that the God of the Bible doesn't take from you, He wants something for you. Say amen to that. That God gives you something so that you'll do something with that, that you're blessed to be a blessing that we we give because we have been given to. And then last week we said we are led by a servant, so we serve. We serve people. If you'll live in that metric, I promise you your life will completely change. In the next 60 days, leading, leading to the end of the year. I promise you, you'll go into the new year. If you'll lead with creativity, if you'll walk into Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays in the office, if you'll, if you'll go to school and work, if you'll approach your relationships in life in creativity as a giver and as a servant, I promise you, you will realize you were made for something more than the mundane of your life. And today is Vision Sunday, so I want to give you a little bit more. We take a few Sundays every year. And we kind of talk about uh, what we do, but really why we do what we do and who we are. And so as I gave you kind of these three weeks leading up, I want to tell you who we are or as, as an organization and what we do. Uh, before I do, I, cannot, I can't skip over the fact that next Sunday starts the biggest and best series of the year. It's at the movies, everybody. I am fired up. Oh, now look, if you've never been to at the movies, it's super simple. We take blockbuster films, you'll see them on the big screen, and I preach spiritual and biblical truths around the, the, Bibli- the, the redemptive story of a movie. It's a modern-day parable. Same thing Jesus would do when he would tell a story. It, the kingdom of God is like, and then he would tell this whole fictional story but teach spiritual truth at the movies is the exact same thing. And it's the best time of the year to bring people to church with you. I want you to fill the place up. Now, we'll have more chairs out next week. It's one service at 10 o'clock. You'll decide whether we have to add services during at the movies as you bring your friends and family. We're going to fill the place up with chairs, though, and give you plenty of room. There's popcorn and Cokes. Those are free. That's worth coming to church, everybody, is popcorn and Cokes during the message. Some of y'all, I mean, that's, that's enough, like, because maybe to keep you awake or something. I we'll do anything. Uh, it's going to be great. And our kids have their own version of At The Movies. It is amazing what our kids' ministry is putting on for At The Movies. So it's just the best time. And I'm asking you at Church Online, the first ask I have, is if you've waited to come, come to church during At The Movies. Be in the room during At The Movies. If it's, if it's possible, if, if, there's no, if there's not a, a, a you know, health concern that you have, a, a, a real health concern, I'm asking you to be in the room. And if you just can't, if it's just not possible, we only stream it one way, and that's on our website, and it's only available live. So we can't, because of copyright issues, we can't put it on YouTube. It's not going to be on Facebook. It will be on our website during the live service, and that's it. It will not be archived. You can't ask, Pastor, come on, just send me that video. <laughs> I'm not going to do it because one of y'all probably works for the FBI, and y'all trying to set me up. I ain't going to do it. I ain't going down like that. Just come to At The Movies. Amen, everybody? And bring people with you to At The Movies. Bring people for four weeks. They just get better and better and better. All right, that's all I got to do. I got to preach. This clock is killing me at this moment. I got to preach quickly. Uh, Let me give you some vision. Write this in your notes because this is sort of the, the crux of our time together during Vision Sunday is that is that God's ultimate plan for your life, and we've been saying this for the last Three weeks, honestly, God's ultimate plan for your life is fulfillment. 
God's ultimate plan for you is a life of fulfillment, not a life of happiness, not a life that doesn't have issues, a life that is fulfilled. One of the the things people misunderstand about Christianity is if I get saved, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to be happy all the time. Just not true. It means even in the worst of times, I can lay my head down at night knowing what I do, who I am, and how I live my life mattered for eternity. That's fulfillment. This is psychology. Psychologists call this transcendence. It's the highest level of living. When you look at what the basic needs of humanity, shelter and food and water and family, and the highest level that, that, that psychologists say you can live as a human is transcendence. It's where your life lives beyond this life. We call it fulfillment, that you know that you know that I left a legacy, that I lived my life to the full. That, that, that I pursued the project that I was dreaming about pursuing, that I started that diet, not in January, in November. Thank you. I have been losing some weight. Thank you for noticing. Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> that you finished the degree. Just, well, it's expensive. Well, get, I, I'm too old. I, I don't want to go to the classroom. Guess what? Look at me. Everybody's at school online. Go to school online, you know? Like just finish the thing, learn to play the instrument, and then get on this stage and play it. Address the addiction of your life, the habits of your life. Commit to your local church. Let me say that one again. I I made it really big in my notes. Commit to your local church. Let me tell you one epidemic of 2020. You ready for this? It's church shopping on the internet. I'm going to get in trouble on this one. Y'all going to replay this clip. I already know. I'm going to say it anyway because I'm a little wild today and it's Vision Sunday and I get the next four weeks I don't have to preach live so y'all can't throw stuff at me. Nobody on the internet that you're watching right now is going to come to you in the hospital when you're sick. None of those popular things that you're... As you surf over four or five different messages every Sunday pretending that that's church, none of those people are going to be there when you bury a loved one. It's going to be a local church who loves you and cares for you and encourages you and feeds you and... That's true. That's true, if I must say so myself. Do the thing God's called you to do. Write the book. Write the song. Uh, almost weekly, I review my bucket list. You know what your bucket list is? Anybody ever watch the movie Bucket List? I haven't because I'm more spiritual, but I've heard other people talk about it. <laughs> I love, I love, I love talking about. And, and Brandy and I, every once in a while, we'll kind of review what, what do you what do you, what do you want to do before you kick the bucket? You know what what do you want to do, like in your life? And there's there's a lot of things I want to do. Three major categories I have: what I want to do in ministry, the dreams I have for. My ministry in, in this ministry, in this church, my relationship goes, what I want to do with my wife and the places I want to see with her and, and uh, I want to travel again and not wear a mask while doing so. I want, to, I, want to, I want to go to the places that are our places, been together 20 plus years and, and there's some places around the country and the world that are just ours and I want to go back and, and then I want to take my kids and, and, and who I want my kids to be and how I want, those are on my bucket list, and then just some random things I want to do with my life and experience, and, and, and some things I, I want to be on the New York Times bestseller list. It's always been on my bucket list. I want to write a book that's on the New York Times bestseller list. You're going to have to help me with that and buy that joker when it comes out, okay? So let me just kind of slide that in on you. But anyways, they're just things I want to do. Write this down. If you don't have a target, you'll hit it every time. I'm always amazed at Christians who don't have a target with their life. This is the way most Christians live their lives. They pull back the bow, they let the arrow go, and then wherever it lands on the wall, they run up to the wall and draw the bullseye around the arrow. You never miss, right? And so however your life ends up, you just go, oh, I knew this was going, oh, this, yeah, this is what I want, oh, this is what I said. No, 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 you didn't have a plan. You didn't have a thing. You didn't have a target. you got to have a target in your life. God's plan for your life is that you make a difference with your life. And if you don't have a plan for that, if you don't have a target to aim to of how is my life making a difference, what am I doing that's making a difference in this world, then, then you'll, you'll never really get to the thing God called you to do. And you'll live your life, your adult life, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, maybe in a career that you were never supposed to be in, doing something you were never supposed to be doing and really never leaving the legacy God called you to leave in your family, in your community, and in your life. Are you still there? I want your life 
to bring God glory. And I hope that that's what you want your life as a believer to do, to bring glory to God. Not wealth to me, not fame to me, not, not position to me, but I want the way I live my life for people. The Bible says it like this, that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I, I, want, I want my life to bring glory to God. Jesus said it can happen And this is how, John 15, write this in your notes, look on the screen, John 15 and 8, Jesus said, this is how you bring my Father glory. Well, that's nice to know. (laughs) Thank you for making it so plain. What do I do? That you bear much fruit. That you show yourself as my disciple. How? By bearing much fruit. By doing something and producing harvest in my life. Not just consuming, I feel like preaching today, but contributing to the world. Most people in today's society go through life thinking, what's in it for me? How can I get something out of this relationship, get something out of this church, get something out of this job, get something out of this promotion? How do I get something out of this? What's in it for me? And Jesus said, if you want to live a life that brings glory to God, you walk around going, I am bearing fruit so I can provide for you and give something to you and give hope to you and share the good news with you. I'm bearing fruit in my life. That brings glory to God, that you bear much fruit. Say amen to that. And when you do, verse 11 says, John 15 and 11, Jesus said, I've told you this so that you could have joy. I love that about Jesus. He said, I've hardwired you when I created you. That if you'll bear fruit, if your life will make a difference in the lives of others, if you'll do something with your life that makes a difference in the lives of others, if you'll create and you'll give and you'll serve in such a way that the world has to know and take notice that it's the church that stood up. Listen, when the rest of society is riding in the streets, it's the church of Jesus Christ that stands up and says, no, 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 there's still hope for everybody. There's still love for people. Faith is still, are you, are you with me? everybody he said that's who I want you to be I want you to bear fruit and when you do I've hardwired you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete I've told you this before the only way you can have real joy in your life is that you do something with your life that makes a difference so why does why do people live a life unfulfilled Why do people go through life and and not have the fulfillment that God has for them? I think there's a couple of reasons. Write these down. Number one, we let our past cripple us. We let things we've done in our past cripple us from and disqualify us from moving on and doing something with our life. We get stuck in our past mistakes, our past hurts. We get stuck in our family of origin issues. And we bring them into our family of choice. So this is our family of choice. But we all have a family of origin and the stuff that happened to us then we bring into this and we start blaming. And if you look back over your life, you'll realize every job you've ever had and every church you've ever been to and every place you've ever lived, there's all kinds of negativity you have. You know why? It's because you have issues from your family of origin that you've brought into your family of choice and you let your past cripple of you from living the best life God has for you. That's good preaching. I would amen me if I were you. (laughs) Psalms 38 and 4, David knew what it was like. He said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And I'm bowed down and I'm brought low. Low point in David's life and he thinks I've done too much. My past has crippled me from the life God wants for me. King David, the man after God's own heart, David. That David said, I don't know if I can get past my past. You'll never see the future that God wants for you and your relationship and your family and your life if you will not settle your yesterdays. It's why we have small groups. It's why we have small groups because in the context of a small group, you can take that mask off and eventually with some other believers and people of faith go, hey, I need to settle this. I've been dealing with this. I, I, I hold on to this. I've held on to this for too long and I need some deliverance from this. And you'll walk out of a small group better than you walked in it Because you settled your past. Say amen to that. Here's the second reason people don't live fulfilled lives. Number two, we let culture define who we are. 
So not only does our past hold us back, but now the present culture that we're in, we try to adapt and make everybody here like me, think like me. I want you to like me on Facebook. I want you to like me on Instagram and follow me and pretend that we're friends. And I, I want there to be, I want acceptance and value. Brandy and I talk often about not y'all, but uh, other millennial and Gen Z, the, the absolute horrific psychological toll that social media has taken on them that their value is tied up in what you think about me and what whether you like what I do or whether you affirm what I do and then and then culture defines who they are so whatever culture says is that they're, they're up and down whatever culture tells them to do they're up and down and you never discover God's purpose design or plan for my life we let substitutes we let counterfeits, we let the devil decide who we are, how we vote, who we, how we think, who we are, what our attitudes are, what we, just as long as culture is okay with me, then I'm okay. I am. I really feel like I am. That's why I like you right there, Hal. Don't ever leave. Culture tries to change your identity. In the Old Testament, every time the children of Israel were taken into captivity by another nation, a surrounding pagan nation, every time they were taken into captivity, they would change the names of the Israelites. Why? Because culture always changes the identity that God has for you. So you were born with purpose, but you get culture around you and says, ah, oh, you don't have any. You're just a liar like your daddy was. You're an alcoholic like your mama was. You, you got a temper problem like your granddaddy did. And, it, and they'll try to redefine who you are when really you're a man of God, a woman of purpose, a child of the most high God. That, and, and, and we try to, but we try to fit in and culture defines us. And we care more about what people think than what God thinks. <laughs> Galatians says it like this. Am I now trying to win the approval of men? Paul's asking the church in Galatia, is this how you're living your life? Or am, am I trying to receive the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please men? Because if I'm still trying to please men, it's going to be hard to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And let me take a stand here and, and declare very clear to you. There's coming a day very soon, probably already here, when if you live your life trying to please other people, it's going to be difficult to be a servant of Christ. There's coming, now I'm not, again, I'm not prophesying terrible things or what the world's going to do. I'm just telling you, there's coming a day soon, and we may already be here, that we're going to have to decide, do I stand up for what this book says or do I bow to what culture says? Do I stand up for who God says I'm created to be? Now, that doesn't mean we're legalists and we beat people up with this book. Matter of fact, that means I give people hope in this book and people life in this book and people, come on, I give people a way out in this book. Are you with me? I'm not letting culture do that. By the way, we have a way for you to not let culture define who you are and let God define who you are. It's called the growth track. If you've never been in the City Hills Growth Track, it's all on demand right now. You can do it all online from the convenience of your home, wherever you are on any device. Two classes and two labs. And it just it's a quick way for you to uncover. We don't tell you. We help you uncover and discover how God designed your life. Number three, the reason people don't live a fulfilled life is we try to do it all alone. We try to do it all alone. God designed his plan for you to be fulfilled with others. Now, this is that unpopular stuff I've got to still preach in 2020. You would never think that it would be unpopular for me to say people need people. But today, somehow that's countercultural. But I don't really care what the scientists say. I'm going to tell you what God says. And God says you were designed to be with other people. That isolation is not the plan of God for your life. I don't care if they call it social distancing or anything else. You were designed. You can mask up in a hazmat suit if that makes you feel safe. But you better get you and somebody else in a hazmat suit and get together and talk through that hazmat suit. Because you were designed to be with other people. That's real. The, the reason why suicide is at the highest rate it's been since recorded history, alcoholism, pill addiction, sleeping pill addiction, drug addiction, the reason is at the highest it's been since we recorded it as a, as a people, as humanity, is not because of the virus. It's because of the isolation that we convinced ourselves we could be alone. God designed you to be with people. I'm going to preach that till you believe that. That it is not God's will to separate. 
I'm not talking about being uh, dangerous. I'm not talking about compromising yourself. I'm not even talking to people who have compromising health issues. You know I'm not doing that. But I am telling you there's a whole bunch of really healthy 20, 30, 40-year-olds who we're training to be isolated that God designed you to be in community and you're never going to be happy and fulfilled. You can't figure out why you're so depressed. It's because you're supposed to be with people. True fulfillment cannot come alone. I'll go to my grave telling you that. Some people tell me, well, pastor, I just, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. You know, the church is terrible. All them hypocrites. I love, I, I got, me and Jesus got a deal worked out, you know, where I can just be at home by myself and I don't need other people. <laughs> and you don't have no deal worked out. God didn't. God worked out one deal. He worked it out with Adam, and he said, "Adam, I created you perfect in this garden of perfection, and you have me, and it's still not good for you to be alone." And he created a woman. Come on, somebody. <laughs> True fulfillment can only become in your life when you're in a group, when you're with people. That's why Jesus. That's why the Bible describes the church in group terms. Every time the Bible talks about the church, it talks about it in group terms, never individual terms. It's why I had to repent to you because when the when when we when this in, in March when it, the whole thing started, I would say things and, and I, I had the right intention. I just wasn't using the right language, uh, and, and so I, I hope that you understood my heart. But I would say things. I would look in the camera in March and 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 I would say things like, you know, the church isn't a building. You're the church, and and that's true. The church isn't a building, which is why it doesn't matter where. This local church meets. We're the church, not the building. Say amen. amen. But the fact, what, I, what I said wrong was that you're the church because the Bible never uses singular language when talking about the church. You're not the church. You and you are the church. You're not the church. You, you, you and you are the church. Are you with me? Church requires people. When In the Bible, it talks about the family of God, the fellowship of believers, the body of Christ, the flock of God. Are you with me? It's groups. It's always other people. Ecclesiastes 4 and 8 said there was a man who was all alone. He, he didn't have a son or a brother. And there was no end to his toil and his eyes were not content with his wealth. In other words, I worked hard and I still wasn't happy. You know why? Because you were all alone. Because God didn't design you to be alone. God never, write this in your notes, God never promised to make you a fulfilled person. He promised to make you a fulfilled people. God never promised to make you a fulfilled person. He promised to make you a fulfilled people. And there's a whole bunch of people in the world. There's a lot of people in San Antonio and in the hill country who believe they're doing something. Why, why is it I can't find fulfillment? Why do I still deal with depression? And why, is it still, why, why do I still feel alone? Well, if you try to do it by yourself, God never designed you to be fulfilled as a person. He designed you to be fulfilled as a people. Our world has never needed people with a God-sized vision than it needs right now, today, in this moment. There has never been a time, I think maybe in human history, when the world needed a unified church like it needs today. Literally today. It needs the people of God full of joy, full of passion, loving God, loving other people, giving our best, singing our hearts out to God. I still have friends around the country right now who in their state governments can't sing in church. It's not church if I can't sing. I don't know how else to tell you that. When the people of God come together, we're supposed, the Bible says, to make melody and to sing praises. There's just, there's something, it's, just, it's a requirement. It's what we have to do. There's something that you can do it through a mask. You can do it, you can do it at home if, 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 it's, if it's better for you. But I'm telling you, there's something about being together with God's people. And there's something that we have to do together. Say amen to that. So the darker the night, the more we need people like you to carry the light. And the more the confusion that, that grips our world and our country and our cities, the more the church of Jesus Christ has to give clarity about who we are. And let me just go ahead and make it very clear to you and to you 
This has never been a church known for what we're against. And we never will be. We're always going to be a church known for what we're for. So if you're waiting for us to have a big against rally, we don't do that. But we do every Sunday rally about what we're for and who we're for. We're for people and God. We're for people and God. We love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. Two greatest commandments, Jesus said. That's We're for God and people. Say amen to that. Somebody should put that on a sweatshirt. So what's God's plan? i got to hurry. Proverbs 29 says it like this. I like the message translation of this. I memorized it in the King James, King James Version. says it like this, that where there is no vision, people perish. But I like the message that says it like this. If people can't see what God's doing, they end up living like America's walking today, stumbling all over themselves. <laughs> but if we can get our eyes on what Jesus reveals, we'll be the most blessed. And I've preached four weeks to try to convince you that God's plan for your life is that you are the most blessed people. God has vision for your life. And if you want to get most blessed, you've got to get in alignment with the vision. You can't just aim at anything. You've got to aim at the right thing. Say amen to that. I think it's all throughout this book. As, as the more I read it, the more I see it. Uh, the, the more stories I read, the more I see the plan of God in this book over and over and over. I think it probably first showed up uh, in the garden. I think it's probably best uh, illustrated in, in the Exodus uh, of the children of Israel from Egypt. But I see it everywhere, and it's, and it's all in the New Testament. So I, I see it in Jesus' ministry. I, I see it in the Great Commission. The last thing Jesus said in Matthew 28 19, to go to all the world and teach them everything that I've observed you and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and, that, and, and, and make disciples and, and I'll be with you until the end of the earth. I think it's there. I think it's everywhere throughout the Bible. I'm going to give you one place I think God's vision for you. And, and I like this particular passage because I think it makes it as clear as I could possibly make it to you. And then let me preach the vision of the house to you. Ephesians, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus is an intelligent church. These are grown-up, mature Christians, the way Paul would write to the Ephesians. You just know they're, they're growing in their faith. But he says to them, I want you, there's something I keep asking that the God of, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ would give you, the glorious Father, that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, I want God to show you this. And honestly, as your pastor, if you ask me, if you're here today for the very first time or somebody shared this video and you're watching for the first time, and you say, well, who, are, who is this and what are they about? Here, here's what I keep asking God to show you. I keep asking God that he would give you revelation that this, so that you may know him better. And I pray, that's the first thing, that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, that's an interesting way to say that, Paul, that the eyes of your heart are, are opened and enlightened in order that you know that God has something for you to do, that you know the hope to which he's called you, that you have a calling on your life so that the riches of his glorious inheritance can, can live in his people. People. There's a vision God has for your life. I'll give it to you in these four ways. The first thing that Paul said is, I pray, I pray that God would open your wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Write this in your notes. It's God's plan that you know God. Not that you know about God. San Antonio and the hill country knows enough about God. It's hard to find a heathen anymore. You know what I'm saying? This is hard. This is very hard for me to find pagans. When I do, I love them. They're my favorite. Because they don't know all the weird religious stuff you're supposed to do. They're just good old pagans who were lost and Jesus found them. And, and how many pagans, that's how you were. When Jesus has found you, you were messed up. Y'all my favorite. You know what I mean? You just, I knew I was messed up and Jesus saved me. And I, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of people who know about God that don't know God. They don't know 
God for themselves. And listen to me. Look in my eyes. The vision of this house is simple. When you come here every weekend, when you gather together with God's people, when you get in a small group, when you serve on a team here, when somebody shares a video with you, when you bring people next week to at the movies with you and you fill the house to overflowing, let me tell you what I want. I don't want them to get a bunch of head knowledge. And if you're in a church that you're waiting for, when, when does the Greek class start? When do we start doing the Greek stuff and the Hebrew stuff? I love it. I, I'm not, I promise you I'm not making fun of it, but that's not here. Because I think a lot of people know about the Greek. They just don't know about the God of the Greek. They don't know that, that they, they may know a lot about this book. They just don't know the author of this book who's full of life and hope for them. They may know a lot about a Bible study. They just don't know the God of the Bible. Are you with me? And when you get to heaven, it's not going to be tell me about what you know. It's going to be tell me about who you know. I want you to know God that you may know him in the fellowship of his suffering and that you may know him in the power of his resurrection. That you know that God is with me. That on Tuesday it doesn't matter if they elect Donald Trump or Donald Duck. It doesn't really matter because I know God and God's with me. Are you still there everybody? That I know that I know it's why we're a spirit-filled church because I want you to know him intimately. Jesus told his disciples, I'm with you, but I got to go back to my father so that I can be in you. I'm going to send the comforter in my name and he's going to live inside of you. What could be better than Jesus being with me, the Holy Spirit being in me? Jesus said that was the better thing. I got to go away so I can send him so that you can know which way to go. So that you know God. So that, they, so that you know God. And, and, and if you want something else, I'm just telling you, I want you to be in this church. I'd love for you to make this church home, but that's who we are. Unashamedly, we're going to be people to help people know God real and vibrantly in, in their heart for themselves. Not here, here. And then he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. I love how Paul says that. He said, I pray that the glasses that, that are on your soul, of your heart, the heart is the seat of your emotions in the, in, in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's your bowels. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me, but I'm really glad that we don't talk about the eyes of your bowels. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I find the Bible so funny. The eyes of your heart. The heart is where your soul is. You, you are like your God. Your God is triune, Father, Son, and Spirit. You are made in the image of your God. You are a, a spirit who has a soul who lives in a body. You're triune the same way that your God is. And your soul, your emotions. The Bible says, I want you to... I, Paul said, I hope that the smudge on your soul is enlightened and it's clear so that you can know God. We call that find freedom. I want, I want the soul issues that you have to be solved together. I want you to know there's freedom to be found from past addictions and hurts and problems. I want you to know that you can clear the eyes of the smudge of your past. Are you still there, everybody? That everybody's got a past. Listen to me. I've met a, a bunch of people who are on their way to heaven who are still bound by hell. You can know God and still not have freedom. You can be on your way to heaven and still not delivered. And I want you to find freedom. Paul said, I want you to, I would to God that the, the, the eyes of your heart, your soul would be enlightened. That you find freedom from your past so that you may know the hope to which God has called you. You are called to purpose. We say it like this, that God's plan for you is that you discover your purpose. Paul said, I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to know him better and I want, you to, I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened so that you have freedom from your past. And then I want you to know the hope that you've been called to, that you have calling and purpose in your life, that you can discover the purpose of your life. I've preached three weeks about that. I'm not going to preach it today. So that, here's the point I had to get to, so that the riches of his glorious inheritance can, can live in his holy Not his holy person. So he spent three things. Paul said there's three things that, that uh, is between you and God. That you know God. That you find freedom from your own issues and past. That you discover the unique purpose that God has for you. But once you've done that, 
I got to put you with some people. Because when you get with some other people, you can do what I think God's called all of us to do together in this season. And it's make a difference. That you make a difference. That you and I are the difference makers. I don't think I could have preached this on any better weekend than where our country currently is and what our country currently needs. That God's called you and I the ultimate life, the abundant life, the blessed life. Listen. Is that we create together. That we serve together. And that we give together. And that's why six weeks from today, come play. Let's, i, I got to pray in just a moment. I know, we're, I know we're a little behind schedule. I blame the hoodies. <laughs> Anyways. I think the best way we can make a difference together, and we do this every year around the same season. So six weeks from today, I'm inviting all of us together as the people of God. I, I just gave you the vision. If you want to know what the vision of our house is, always going to be this. Every Vision Sunday, just know until Jesus returns, every Vision Sunday. wonder what pastor's preaching today. I'm going to tell you how to know God. I'm going to tell you how you settle your yesterdays and find freedom. I'm going to tell you God has a plan for your life. And if you don't discover your purpose, you won't live it out. And then I'm going to tell you that we can make a difference together. One of the ways we can do that, we do every year in our annual legacy offering. Six weeks from today, on Sunday, December the 6th, is Legacy Sunday. It's Legacy Sunday. And I think the highest level of living in your life, honestly, I think God designed you the highest level of living is so that you'll make a difference in your life, that, that your life lives on, that there's something that you give, that there's something that you live that makes a difference, not just here, but in eternity. Matter of fact, every time Jesus would talk about giving, he would talk about it in eternal terms. He would say things like, you can store up treasures in heaven for yourself. Because here, rust and moth, and th- they des- it destroys all that. You know, all this stuff kind of fades away. But there, well, it lives forever. There's where I can give so that something that my life leaves behind lives forever. It's, it's legacy. Why do you call it the legacy offering? Why, why is it legacy giving? Why do we bring our best, most sacrificial, generous offering every year in, in December? I'll tell you why. Because I want you to live a legacy life. And your legacy is when something about your life lives beyond your life. It's where my life lives on. I've spent four weeks telling you about how to live on Monday. I want to spend the last message telling you how your life can live on past Monday. That that we can do something together that we can't do apart. That when we all decide together that we're going to make a difference, that we're going to be the difference makers, it's how we walk into our Mondays and our jobs, and it's how we walk into the polling place on Tuesday. It's how we live our lives on Sunday when we serve on a team. It's how we meet with our small groups on Wednesday morning at 7 for breakfast. At least that's mine. It's, it's, how we, it's, it's how we do what we do. It's that I know God. It's that, that freedom is coming in my life. It's that my purpose matters, that I have purpose in my life. And then I get to make a difference with other people. That God would use me, my resources, my time, my gifts, my money, to make a difference in someone else's life. And that I get to do it together. Again, Ephesians, it, it happens everywhere. But Ephesians says it the way, I, I just, I love the way he says, once you do all this, then you get to be my holy people. Then there's a people. And I'm asking you on Sunday, December the 6th, let's do something together. So for the next six weeks, I'll give you a few stories. We don't talk about it all the time. We don't, we don't push it down. We don't do envelopes or none of the, not, not that we won't. We just, we haven't. And, and God willing, I, you know, I, I'm never going to pressure you. We're just not that kind of church. Uh, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, somebody that gives because God put it on your heart to give. So, but I will pressure you into asking God. Is that okay? I'll never ask you for anything, but I will ask you to ask God. And then whatever God tells you to do, I'm asking all of us together to make a difference. I found a good legacy verse and then, and then I'll pray for you and we'll go. Psalms 112 and verse 5 says, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely and conducts his affairs with justice. Surely in 2020 he will never be shaken 
and a righteous man will live a legacy will be remembered forever that's what legacy living is good will come to them who are generous if, you, if you've never been a part of the legacy offering I'm going to take four extra minutes than I normally would today and then I'll pray and I promise you we'll get out of here the merch is still there don't be buying it online yet if you've never been a part of the, the legacy offering let me tell you what we do we give away literally thousands of dollars every year we wrote it in our bylaws if you're new to our church uh, bylaws govern uh, a nonprofit organization. They tell me what to do as uh, a president of the organization. They tell our board what to do, and they tell us how we live, how we spend our money. And w- we wrote it in our bylaws. It was so important to us that we give away 10% of every dollar that comes in. So we tithe on your tithing because we believe that we're going to lead by example that if, we, if I want God to bless my personal life, I tithe, Brandy and I do. And if I want God to bless our church, we tithe because that's what we want God to bless. Say amen to that. So we give it all away. But the legacy offering, we're able to give away above and beyond that. So it's one of my favorite things we do every Christmas is we get to bring checks and send checks all over the world to missions partners that, that during Christmas need extra, especially during 2020. One of the things I love about this year is we've done that Throughout the entire pandemic, we have served more missions partners and more people in the pandemic than we ever did outside of it. All glory to God and thank you to you. Glory to God and thank you for your faithfulness. We're, we, we've fed more, tens of thousands of people. We've given away so much. We've, we, we've been able to step up to missionaries and partners around the world who are translating God's word or having church. Or I, I, I'm, I'm reminded of, of, of the of what just one of our missions partners in the Philippines, in Manila. They locked down the schools, still locked down to this day. They can't go to school in the Philippines. And there's 115 children from birth to, to 18 years old in this one orphanage and, and because of your generosity we were able to transform it and turn it into a K-12 through school literally overnight and open up a school for those children that didn't have a school couldn't go to a school we were, just, we were able to be there right, right, right when we needed to and we were able to do that at the Legacy Offering we give away to local partners and to international missions but, and, and this is the last thing and everybody gets squirmy I kind of like to watch you squirm a little bit but listen, I'm just, I, I'm not asking you for anything. The reason I can preach this way with a smile on my faith is because I never ask people for nothing. I just ask God. Because God is our source. Come on, somebody. God's my provider. God is in, this is God's church. It's not my church. This is God's mission. It's not, if I came up with all of this, I'd be worried. But this isn't my plan. This is God's plan for the world. Say amen. One of the things that I really want that I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider investing in is we need a home. Four years ago when we started this church, five years ago when Brandon and I moved here, we didn't know where we would meet. Uh, We had been told that the school district uh, in the city that we were in in Bernie, just a few miles from here, um, wouldn't allow churches. We didn't know. And then we had heard there were churches that had met there, so we had conflicting information. And so we started working on it months before we actually launched the church. We tried everywhere. We were told no everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. And then I would say things like, but I thought that, and, and then anyway, you know how that goes. But I just trusted God. We ended up in an elementary school, which was awesome, right by the interstate. And it was right behind another school, so you couldn't see it, and you really couldn't see the entrance, and it only had 20 parking spots. It was awesome to start a church (laughs) it had little bitty bathrooms all the toilets were real little (laughs) some of you were there we had to build walls because there were windows everywhere I hear somebody on the load end team were like yep yep we did every Friday night we built (laughs) pipe and drape walls I remember our first baptism Sunday there it was February. It was ice cold. And I lied in the pulpit, so help me God. And I said, it's going to be warm like a hot tub. Now, it was. I didn't lie on purpose because it was hot when we filled it up. But it had been sitting out there in 20 degrees while I was preaching. And it was ice cold. <laughs> we baptized 15 people that day. 
Since that day, we baptized over 250 people raised to life in Jesus' name. <laughs> four weeks in, Aubrey remembers, four weeks in, we lost our technical person. Anyways, and, uh, and we didn't have, it was Friday night, and we didn't have any, we didn't own any technical equipment like in the back of the house. Like right now, there's massive broadcast going on just over my shoulder right there to be able to bring you church online. And we didn't own any of it. We were using someone else's equipment because we were a new church and it was offered. And Travis, we just, you know what I'm saying. When you broke, you got to do what you got to do. But it was Friday and we had church coming up Sunday. And this guy says, I'm not coming back. And we're like, uh, can we still use your stuff? Is that weird? And it was. <laughs> and so we didn't. So we went and bought a bunch of stuff. We didn't know how to run. Anyway, we moved to a movie theater. We moved to the smallest movie theater that that we could get because we didn't had 147 seats and we had no idea if we could put 147 people in there. Two Sundays in, I remember getting a text from my dream teamer through the second service. The second service was in overflow and it was filled up to capacity. It was small. The stage was about that big, but half as wide. It was terrible. I was trying to move into the bigger movie theater, and so we did anyways. In three years, we were in the AMC movie theater. We, the size of our church tripled in three years. We started this year with over 500 people consistently attending in the weekends. Most people agree when you talk about churches that there's about 40 or 50% of people there on the weekend that actually belong to your church. So our church probably was somewhere around eight, 900 members that would come through in the course of four or six weeks. And then March the 15th happened. <laughs> we didn't have a plan. We didn't have any broadcast equipment. You couldn't broadcast out of the movie theater. So in 48 hours, I, I keep looking to Aubrey because he's just consistent. He's just been there through the whole thing. And we bought stuff we didn't know. We tried. We, in 48 hours, they turned around and we had church online. 48 hours later, we recorded. And in the third weekend of March, we went online. <laughs> Yeah. And then we got better at it, and then we bought a whole bunch of other stuff, and we spent about we spent about a hundred thousand dollars this year just investing in, in broadcast to be able to bring you church online because we didn't know. And for seven months, we exclusively brought you church online. Then we then we thought we were going to be able to come back to church in midsummer in June, and anyway, it didn't work out. Our theater was locked up, had chains on the walls. They told us they were bankrupt. They would never open back up. We threatened with a lawyer to be able to get our equipment out. That's how bad it was. And we had been having a conversation with this particular hotel about uh, a night of worship. And so we called them. They were closed down for COVID. And somehow, God gave us this amazing facility. I hadn't, I've never, I haven't told all those stories on a Sunday. So I just thought I'd tell you all how we got here. And um, we need a home. And I don't know if it's a piece of land and we build something. It's probably going to be a place that we lease, but that we can make our own for a couple of years. I, I, I equate it to our board of directors like this. You, we kind of need an apartment before we buy our first house. You know what I mean? So I just need an apartment that I can paint the walls and make our own. And then, you know, lie about having a dog so I don't have to pay the dog fee, you know? And then... <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know you do that. <laughs> uh, God, I got to go. It's 1125. I'm asking. We have been faithful. I, I, I promise you. I, you ask our board. I, we have trustees in the room today. You ask them. Ask them. I, I've empowered them to answer any question you have. We've been faithful in four years. We've saved tens of thousands of dollars, everything we possibly could while still giving to missions and tithing and hiring and, and doing everything we could. But we need a home. And, and we've been faithful. We're going to keep, keep being faithful in this moment. One thing I promised God is I would not complain. I will not complain about what He gives me. I'm going to use everything He's given me till He gives me something else to use. Say amen to that. Everything. But we need a home. So I'm asking you this legacy season to invest in a home, to invest. And I promise you we'll do the hard part. We'll, we'll vet opportunity. 
We'll, we'll do the best we can to find the right place. Who knows where to be? If it's 10 miles that way, will you still drive? Is 10 miles really worth the difference? It is, by the way. I'm just telling you that. If it's two miles that way or if it's right here or over there or back there, it doesn't really matter. We just need a home that we can do more ministry. Because the, the stuff I just preached to you, I want to preach to the thousands of hurting, lost, broken people in the San Antonio Hill Country. And I want to tell them there's hope for you to know God, to find freedom. That you were built with a purpose. You can join the team making a difference. Bow your heads all over church. Father, thank you for the amazing church that you've built. This is your church, Jesus. You died for it. So I'm asking you in Jesus' name to do what only you can do. And that's build it. Jesus, you said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I resign to you. Build your church. Build a church in the San Antonio Hill Country that can reach people who are broken, people who have religion but not relationship, that they come to know God, not know about Him, but know Him. I, I, I pray that you would build a church that people can really settle their yesterdays. God, I don't just want to preach every Sunday. I want people to get healed, delivered, free. Let people find freedom here. Let it be a house of freedom. God, I, I pray that you'll speak to your church and build this church so that people find purpose here. So many lost people, tens of thousands in colleges in San Antonio alone, 20, 30-year-olds that are wandering through life, wondering, is there really anything to this life? 40, 50-year-olds who've lived not knowing they have purpose, genuine purpose in their life. I pray in Jesus' name, let this be a house of purpose where people, the light bulb comes on. God, if we don't do anything else till Jesus comes back, let us make a difference. Let us make a difference in the lives of hurting people, broken people, people that don't look like me, vote like me, talk like me, act like me, but you died for. Jesus, you died for everybody. And I pray this would always be a difference-making church. Don't ever let it be about insiders. God, if, if I ever make a decision about making this a church for us, stop me. I want it to be a church for others and make a difference. Speak to hearts, I pray, over the next six weeks. God will do our very best. I promise we'll work very hard. We'll do our very best. I'm asking you to open a door that we leave a legacy. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody shout a big amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.